Hello everyone. Hello saints and sinners. I love you all. Okay guys, today is a powerful day for me. This is my second podcast for today. I want to get some information out to you guys. It's very important to me that I do that. And of course I want to share the gospel as much as I possibly can. So guys, please um Close your eyes. Let's say a prayer because I'm going to do a little less talking today because I have a lot to share with you guys. So let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in first and thanks. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for everything you've done for us. We want to thank you for this day. We want to thank you for this minute, this hour, and this second, Father. We want to thank you for good health and the food we eat and our strength and the roof over our head, our jobs, everything, Lord. We just thank you. We thank you. We praise you and we thank you. And Heavenly Father, we pray that you'll please forgive us for our sins as we all listen to this, as we all come together. We pray that you forgive us for our sins and open our minds and our thoughts and fill us with wisdom and knowledge of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' mighty holy name I pray, amen. All right, guys, so i got a lot I want to share with you guys today. This first one is stun- it's called Stunning Proof of Christ's Resurrection. Um, this is on the 700 Club, and I want to share it with you guys um, because, you know, we have our naysayers and non-believers, and this is why I welcome everyone on my podcast because I want you all to know that Jesus is real, that he is amazing and loving, and that he loves us all, okay? And so... Yeah, I want you guys to listen to this, so get ready. Christian apologist. If you're wondering, that doesn't mean he apologizes for the faith. It means he defends Christ's history and shows why you can trust it. To get there, he first explains what historians want. They want eyewitness testimony. They want multiple testimony. They, they want early testimony. And the fourth is hostile testimony. As for eyewitness and early, the Gospels Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are by men who either knew Jesus in the flesh or got their facts from eyewitnesses, like Mary, the mother of Jesus, and others. Paul's epistles are written by a man who encountered the resurrected Christ. We have got the Gospels coming to us from less than 10 years after the cross. Compare that to the 643 ancient copies of Homer's Iliad, whose authenticity scholars don't question. But from the time of the writing to the copies we have, more than 500 years, in fact, around 900 years. We've got the Annals of Caesar, which comes to us in several dozen copies. But again, from the earliest copies we have, the time of writing, nearly a millennium, a thousand years. Compare that to the main facts about Christ. The core of Jesus' identity message credentials was in circulation regularly within eight weeks after the cross. As for hostile testimony, or at least not pro-Christian, Many outside sources wrote of this Jesus. A worker of wonders did miracles, claimed to be God, crucified at Passover, the core facts of the gospel, death, deity, and resurrection, just based on ancient Jewish, Greek, and Roman sources that certainly were no friend to the burgeoning church. That's very compelling to historians because it represents objectivity, that those no friend of the movement 
also corroborate the core facts of what we know about Jesus. Filmmaker Rick Larson finds proof of Christ and the miraculous world around him in a whole different sphere, scientific evidence. There are two great events in Christianity. There's the incarnation and there's the execution and resurrection. That's, those are the two great events. And those two things God chose to use, leave hard evidence that we can find today and show that they occurred. In the Star of Bethlehem documentary, Larson found there really was a light in the heavens that guided the wise men to baby Jesus. It was even shown on coins made at the time. The Christquake shows how Larson's crew found in ground, once covered by the Dead Sea, the geologic ripples of the gigantic earthquake that split rocks at the very hour of Jesus' death. According to the Gospel of Matthew mentions both the Star of Bethlehem and the earthquake at the cross and Larson, as he was just saying there, there's scientific evidence for both of them. As for the written record, there are some 30,000 ancient fragments, portions, whole copies of the New Testament, far more than Homer's Iliad or biographies of Caesar. Gordon? Well, I've got to ask, Paul, well, why the doubt? Why do you think so many more people accept Homer, accept Socrates, but then doubt that Jesus Christ really lived? You know, but I think what's interesting about this is you can believe those guys, you can see um, proof of them in, in history and all that, but I think it doesn't really affect people. But if you believe that Jesus Christ existed, then you have to face, well, is he crazy or was he lying? He's saying he's the son of God. So maybe you like all his teachings and everything, but there's that core question that he's saying he's the son of God and we've got his resurrection to deal with. And then so people have to then say, well, then, if all of that is true, then that proves there's a God, and I have to face that fact, and I have to make a decision. And uh, so, therefore, I think that's the thing. People don't necessarily want to have to face that decision. They don't want to necessarily have to give their life to their Lord. So, um, it's I, you know, he's been challenged throughout all of these last few thousand years, and I, I think as long as there's mankind, there will always be those challenges. Yeah, that's true. But he's the one who split B.C. into A.D., so... Uh, we need to keep that in mind. You've interviewed several famous apologists over the years. Why do they end up becoming such fierce defenders of the faith? I think because they were such fierce enemies of the faith at the start. We've got uh, guys like Josh McDowell, who was a legal scholar, crossed the Atlantic to find out. He was basically sent out to find out, to, to do a paper that would disprove God existed, and he ended up finding so much evidence for him that he became a believer. Uh, we got guys like cold case detective Jay Warner Wallace, who used his skills as a detective, thinking, you know, I'm going to prove that these things didn't happen, like the resurrection. He became a fierce believer. We've got C.S. Lewis, uh, a man, one of the most brilliant scholars in the world, um, who didn't want to believe, but found so much evidence that he believed. And even um, Lee Strobel, journalist, used all his skills as a journalist to investigate and became a fierce believer. So, you, you, and even in my own life, I was an atheist uh, right during the Jesus People movement, spent hours and hours in my high school trying to talk young uh, people out of their faith until finally I had to face that question about, hold it here, what, what is my evidence that he doesn't exist? And I finally ended up searching and until there was a moment when I was saying, God, you've got to show me, are you real or not? And had an encounter where God himself said, just ask me. And I said, are you real? And he said, I am. And, uh, and I gave my heart to him because, again, I ran right into the guy. There was no doubt because there he was right in front of me. Well, Paul, thanks for the insight and thanks for being with us. And for you at home this Easter, realize that you have to make a decision. Is Jesus real? Is he who he says he is? And the same question that he asked his disciples, he'll ask you, who do you 
say I am. Who am I to you? Here's a wonderful prayer for you. It's guaranteed to get an answer. This isn't something you say jokingly, but if you do it with all of your heart, if you if you'll seek, you will find. But here's the prayer. Jesus, if you're real, if you're my Savior, if you really are the Messiah, could you show me? Could you show up for me? And that way, he will. If you pray that with all of your heart, and you won't have to take somebody else's word for it. You'll have your own direct evidence that Jesus is alive today. Hello, I'm Gordon Roberts. All right, guys. So, <clears throat> excuse me if you if you heard that. Um, he said that uh, a lot of apologists came forward to defend Christ, and these are people who used to be atheists and who used to be against the Bible and used to be against the thought of Christ. And, you know, they didn't want to. Um, acknowledge Christ as our Savior, and they call them apologists now. These were the main people who were against Christ and trying to prove He didn't exist. And when they went and set out to find this so-called proof, all they could find is proof that He did exist, and that He was real, and that He was resurrected and crucified. That's all that, that they could find. And uh, I, I think that was an amazing part um, of the story. And um, I wanted you guys to hear that. Because if there are any non-believers listening, I think you should take that to heart. Just pray. Christ will show you he's real. He said, seek me with all your heart and you will find me. Isn't that beautiful? Seek me with all your heart and you will find him. Just seek him. You will find him. You will. Okay, guys, so we're going on to the next one. Let's see here. In heaven. Okay. Now, this is the former satanic priest. This guy's name is John Ramirez. Um, I've heard his testimony. And, um... He, he came from Satan to Christ. His testimonies are actually very powerful. This particular segment is him talking about how Christians can overcome fear. So let's, um, let's I'm going to share this with you. And guys, this is saying that God loves us all. He does. He, he loves us all. He loves us all. You know, um, you can be saved. People can be saved. And um, no matter what now, you cannot, the one thing God will not forgive you is blaspheming to the Holy Spirit or, or, or lying against the Holy Spirit. Anything against the Holy Spirit, God will not forgive. Okay? So remember that. Remember that. That's very important. Okay, guys, so here we go. This little girl came up to me. She told me she died in your tummy. There 
is an enemy of our souls, and fear is one of his favorite tactics against us. Our next guest knows very well the strategies of the enemy because he was once a high-ranking satanic priest. In his new book, Destroying Fear, John Ramirez brings us strategies to overthrow the enemy so we can walk in total freedom. John, welcome to our life. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. You know, I love coming here. I love Pittsburgh. I'm still a fan. <laughs> yes. And Yay. being here is it's a miracle. So. Thank you so just much. Just saying that alone, that I'm a Steeler fan, just gave you so much credibility <laughs> here. You have no fan. idea. All the way from the 70s, you know? <laughs> All the way to black and gold. But I'm here, and, and I, I'm praising God for this opportunity to really be a blessing, not only to the body of Christ, but be a blessing to people that are that unbelievers that are struggling with so much, yeah. especially fear. Fear is like a spiritual cancer. We're so happy to have you here because in one point, you know, you were on the kingdom of darkness as a satanic priest, and now you're on the good side, you're on the winning side in the kingdom of God. Tell us about that. You know, it, it, it's amazing because, I, I, you know, we, we, we start somewhere, and when we open our eyes, 25 years went by. I was 25 years engrossed in darkness and spiritual demonic warfare of putting witchcraft on people, putting tormenting uh, spirits on people. And one of the tools that I will use is a spirit of fear release it on people to torment them and try to control them and manipulate them because fear opens the door that paralyzes people's lives and, and one thing is in life that we can't lose time and opportunities that god has given us and to fear there been many great people out there today they can do so much but they're stuck and they're closed down and they're shut down and they can't move forward tell me what what fear is how would you describe fear what does it look like and taste like and feel like and how does it paralyze people in their life I, to, to me it's like it's like uh, fear is like a spiritual pharaoh you know back in the old testament how pharaoh was what plagued the people from israel were plagued fear is, is a plague it's, it's a tormenting thing it's a, it's a disaster thing that when it comes upon you it just it grips you it's like a straight jacket you know it just comes upon you that you, you know you, the days seem like weeks the weeks seem like months you can't see beyond yourself you can't you're stuck in a place it's like putting putting a person in, in a box you know uh, and tormenting the mind and the person as talented as gifted as beautiful as as, as things this person could do in so many ways they don't see themselves out of that situation because it's like a spiritual cancer. It eats away your life. You talk about that spiritual cancer. How did that spiritual cancer come face to face in your life? How did you see fear just manifest in your life? Well, you know, one of my things when I left the occult, 25 years after the occult, I left the devil. To, uh, I used to sit with the devil face to face and get orders from the devil to play uh, wow. neighborhoods, astral project, curse neighborhood, wow. put spirit, spirit of fear poverty, sickness in neighborhoods, release these demons upon neighborhoods. And, and when I left, because uh, I went to hell, came back, that's how I got saved. So when I left the kingdom of darkness, now I was plagued with this demonic fear that came over me because the demons would come at night to try to torment me. And uh, I, I went to follow Jesus, a person that I couldn't see when I used to see the devil. And this tormenting fear that I have the nighttime is coming. I have to go to sleep. These demons are coming for me. Should I sleep during the day instead by night? And there was 30 days of just torment. I mean, I thought I was going to lose my mind. And then God completely set me free. You talk about fear being like a bully. How is that? You know, I fear it's a bully because it's always trying to push you around, manipulate you, control you, uh, come at you, you know, when you least suspect it. 
you know, the bully in the schoolyard is the person that thinks that he can pick on you, pick on you every day because he thinks he has the upper hand. He wants to, he wants to prove a point. He wants to make himself look good. Until you tell you enough is enough, bully. No more. You fear I'm giving you an eviction notice. It's time for you to leave, and you have that choice. Enough is enough. Well, enough and is and enough. you, this book to me is like that. Enough is it's enough. enough. Yes. It's like it's serious business. Like we can't play around with fear. You're, when you're playing around with fear, you're really playing around with a tool of the enemy. You can't entertain fear. You can't. You can't sugarcoat it. And a lot of times, you can't even medicate <clears throat> fear. Fear has to be cast out. You know, and, and the reason I wrote the book because of the fact because I came from the devil's camp. I'm writing something from where. It really all started, where it starts, where it originated, right? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear. Right. You know, so it originated from the devil's camp. How he can use it, play you, play your family, play your, your marriage, play your children. I Sometimes the devil try to play with fear. Oh, you are ministering in London. Your daughter lives here by herself. Your daughter lives by herself. Something's going to happen to her. Your daughter takes the subways in New York City. Someone's going to push on the train. You know, the devil try to torment with these things. Stop preaching the gospel. Stop telling people about, about the enemy's camp, exposing the enemy's camp. But we're going we're gonna to come upon your daughter. And I don't have a spirit of fear. God has not given me that. I have overcome fear Amen. through the word of God. And even just hearing you talk about how the enemy was just like coming at your mind, like those thoughts. It's like, because yeah. it's all about territory, territory. when it comes to play, because yeah. Satan is all legal about rights. gaining territory. Legal rights. The devil wants legal rights over your life, over fear, destroy, try to destroy you, try to manipulate you, try to control you, try to steal God's best out of your life, just tormenting fear, whether you're a believer or not. Fear comes in every way. Fear, I always say, it rains on the just and the unjust. Fear rains on the, on, on the people that are saved. And, 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 and you know, it's amazing because I wrote this book all because I, I, I've, been, I, I've been preaching in London. And people in London saying they come to eight out of ten, eight out of ten people come to the altar. John, I don't know how to say this, but I, I, I can't move forward. I have lost five years of my life because of fear. I have, I, 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 I can't even handle my marriage. I can't handle my children because of fear. And this is across the pond. People are struggling. Here in the States, in New York, people are struggling with fear. So it's everywhere. So how do you do it? How do you get an eviction order? How do you become free? How do you live free? So when fear comes knocking on your door one more time, you're like, I'm not opening the door. You're not going to move me anymore because I have, I have conquered fear. And the book teaches the prayers. The book teaches the insight, how to dismantle, uproot, and let that let, let that fear devil show up and die in your life and be free. Well, in every single chapter, at the end, you have the prayer points, and yes. then you have like declarations of this is what you say to renounce, to yes. speak over. Amen. How important is what we say, what comes out of our mouth in dealing with fear? You know, I mean, the Bible speaks about it, right? We got to go back to the book that knows it all, right? I mean, the Bible is an amazing book because the author's still alive, right? <laughs> the author's right. still alive for that book, right? So 18, Proverbs 18, 21 say, life and death lays in your tongue. And we have declarations, we have the spiritual warfare prayers, right? Because they, they, you, you, in order to defeat fear, you need spiritual warfare prayers. Yes. I mean, there's some prayers that work. Yes. If I have a toothache, I'm not gonna go to this. I'm not gonna go to the foot doctor. Right. You know, I'm gonna go to this. I'm gonna go to the dentist to take care of my toothache. So the spiritual warfare prayers are powerful with the with, 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 with the power of the Holy Spirit behind it, and yes. you can destroy this mantle and cancel fear to de de declaring declaim victory over your life, declaim purpose declaim your destiny, declaim that you know, this situation should pass this is temporary, that God has so much for me ahead of me, that when I'm dealing with this situation, and when you declare, you put those prayers there, you make sure it's fake, 
you beat the devil like a piñata. Right. And that's what you talk about, like, with the... Because spiritual warfare, I think sometimes we're kind of like, oh, just praying. But it's really, like, you have to sometimes get ruthless and get in your spirit with the Holy Spirit and really just go to bat because those the spirit of fear and different things that come against us doesn't it necessarily always want to jump off and leave. We have some work we have to do. We, 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 got, we got to be bold. We got to be bold against the enemy. We have to be bold against the enemy of our soul. We have to be courageous against... I mean, imagine David came to deliver lunch at, 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 a, at a camp. And Goliath was right across, and Goliath was saying some nasty things. He's the bully in the schoolyard. He's the fear factor. He had Israel paralyzed with fear. No one wanted to step into the battleground and face this this giant, right? David heard from him saying, who, who, who's this guy talking? Is, is this guy crazy? I got Jesus with me. I fear not. And he stepped into the battlefield, and you know the story. Goliath was, you know, a few seconds later, there were no more Goliaths. There was no more fear. But David knew how to deal with fear. He knew how to take care of fear through the Holy Spirit. And we need to step in the front of the face of fear. You're Goliath. You need to step in front of your Goliath. Get your slingshot ready. Right. And get those spiritual warfare prayers ready. And say, devil, today, you're never going to torture me, me, and my family no more. I'm ever. Because fear leads to suicide. You know, sad to say, fear is a tormenting devil that if you don't deal with it, it will end up killing you physically one day. Because fear will torment you to the point that you think you'd rather be dead than live on. And I think that we need to cancel that spirit of fear. Well, you're talking about David and Goliath. David had to know who he was mm -hmm, mm -hmm. when he was approaching Goliath. Amen, yep. How important is it for us as believers to know who we are, that we're not, we're not insecure, we're not too shy, we're not too wounded or trying how important is it to stand up know who we are as believers you know as an ex-devil worshiper right 25 years in the devil's camp god had a plan for my life as far as my father took me was the car wash and i came from a family of rejection i came from a family of torment and all this fear factor in my family to my dad my dad was a warlock and coming today in christ who the loving father who who have took me out of the pits of hell yes. snatched me out of the pit and put me in a safe place, put me in a place that, you know, today he redeemed me from the pawn shop, right? He redeemed me, and now today I have a life that counts, and, and the life that I'm moving forward in my life, that, that I, I understand that if I've been with God, who is fear? I have, I have the boldness and the courage that I see so much in Jesus Christ in my life for the 20 years, that when I look back, the only footstep I see in the sand is his that carried me through. So if he's carrying you through, he brought you this far, he ain't gonna leave you there, it's time to fight. It's right. time to be armed and dangerous and be a spiritual sniper and bring down fear out of your family, your loved ones, your friends, your church, whoever it is. Man, stand in the gap and be courageous. Right. Amen. And John, why would you say now, like this is such a now message, a now word for the body of Christ to understand, apprehend, okay, we have the spirit of fear that's like this tormenting spirit that's against us, but we have to war. We're on the offense. We know we have the victory in Christ. But why would you say it's so important for us to grab this revelation so we can walk in that freedom? I, I, I think because the devil knows his time is short. The devil knows Jesus is coming back soon. The devil understand that, 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 that he needs to accomplish his mission on the believer. He needs to stop you from God's best. He needs to stop your purpose and your destiny. We have, we have created to be unique, one-of-a-kind originals in Christ. And, and the devil understand that every person that rises up and defeat fear, you can go on and talk to the next person that's being tormented, and you can help that person be set free. Wow. And I think that the time we are in today, because of the certain times around the world, and around, around the times of the signs that are happening, not around the world, your neighbor, your community, we've seen the news, we've seen the things that are going, that are plaguing us, either the news, things that are plaguing us on the radio. The devil is using, the devil, the Bible said that the devil is the prince of the air. 
the friends of the airway. Praise God for holy ground that we are today. Yes, Amen. Right. Praise God for this holy ground for the show that we are we, we sounding the trumpet. We're the watchmen of the war on this on this show. And we're letting people fear not. God is with you. And if he can be with you, who can be against you? Yeah. I think about the boldness that you have today and all that you've come through. You literally have marks on your body tattooed from on you from the kingdom of darkness. Caught with the razor in the flesh. When a, I sold my soul to the devil. A razor in the flesh. And here you are today facing and fighting fear right in its face. How can we pray for, for our brothers and sisters to get that same boldness that fear can't control me any longer. I'm going to get out of this. I, I think I think one of the things in the book is so unique that whatever you whatever you whatever you pronounce over your life you have to renounce. Whatever you accept that you have to now you have to throw in the trash, right? I'm just giving you so the book brings this this depth into saying if I accepted this, now I renounce it because that's not what God has for me. God doesn't have that plan for me. So today, whatever tormented me, whatever, whether it's sickness, there's people that, that are sick, people got cancer, and, and, you, and the devil's lying, and you're putting a tormenting fear. You're going to die. You're not going to be here next year. And, and oh, you have diabetes, and oh, your high blood pressure's high. You're never going to get healed. You're never going to get well. Right. And your mind is being plagued by these things and going on. And you have to say, no, you have to draw the line and say, I make a choice. I will not submit to fear. I will submit to God, Jesus Christ. And once you do that, you renounce fear. You renounce whatever is tormenting, whatever door you open, whatever portal you open. I renounce it. I, I Today, I divorce it. I give it an eviction notice. And I receive God's best in my life. And fill with the Holy Spirit. Move forward. And you can be, wow, more than a conqueror. Wow. That's it. Amen. That's it. Thank you so much, John. We are actually going to hear more from you in just a minute. And I just, I, we will not submit to fear ever. We have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Thank you so much. We are going to pray for all of your prayer requests. Call in if you're dealing right now with the spirit of fear. We're going to pray. We're going to believe God with you that you will experience breakthrough and total freedom. We'll be right back with John in just a moment, right after the good news. All right. Yes, so did you guys hear him? He said that he cut into his flesh the marks of Satan and the dark world. This believer, this man who sold his soul to the devil, came back and lived for Jesus Christ because Jesus saved him. Jesus showed him love. And he got up. And he said, no more evil. It's time for me to serve the Lord. I mean, he goes everywhere. Um, he goes everywhere, guys. And he tells his story and his testimony. Again, his name is John Ramirez. Look him up. He has many videos, many interviews. Um, yeah, he, he it, it's powerful with him because, you know, you think when people go that route, there's no hope for them. This is go to show you God's love. This goes to show you God's love. He loves us. He loves us. Oh my God. Guys, He loves us so much. He's so merciful. He's so merciful. He's so beautiful. You know? And I, I just can't. I can't quit talking about Him. I, I can't find the right words for Him. 
You guys know what I mean? I mean, we have words. Yes, we have. We can say he's amazing, he's great, he's beautiful, but those words seem to be too small for him. To me, you know, I, it, there are no words Just like that can that. describe his beauty and describe his love. None. Okay, so, sorry guys. Um, this next one is uh, a former gay reveals the truth of the LGBTQ agenda flooding the culture. Okay, so I want you guys to listen. You could receive up to $3,148 per month in government. American popular culture is steadily being inundated with pro-LGBTQ messages. Marvel is pushing an on-screen same-sex kiss in a movie out next fall. HGTV has announced it plans to feature a throuple in its House Hunter series. That show will feature a married man and a woman who have two kids and are in a relationship with another woman who lives with them. And then there's AOC, the New York Congresswoman, recently pledged allegiance to the drag on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars show. I'm Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I pledge allegiance to the drag. Here to set us straight on these cultural influences from the LGBTQ community is George Carneal. Raised by a Southern Baptist minister, Mr. Corneille spent 25 years immersed in the homosexual lifestyle. He is author of the new book, From Queer to Christ, My Journey into the Light. So George, tell us, why is this onslaught from the LGBTQ community occurring in our culture at this time? It seems they've gone from fighting for societal tolerance to indoctrination, demanding that uh, our culture embrace a minority lifestyle. I think it's going to continue to get worse. I knew when they opened the floodgates, it's never going to be enough really until we look at the bigger picture of what the agenda is really about. And that is silencing Christians and all opposition to this agenda and anything that is pro-family, pro-Christian, pro-life, pro-America. Uh, it's just an agenda that's going to keep going until they can silence everyone. Well, explain to us then, how is it that you uh, raised by a Southern Baptist minister, a father, uh, came to embrace a gay lifestyle. Well, my journey was, uh, I really struggled with a lot of um, bullying when I was a kid. There was a disconnect with my male peers, and because of the demands of my father's ministry, and he wasn't around a lot, I think there was something in me that was missing male affection and male bonding. So when I first, and I went through a lot of bullying, so when I first stepped into a gay bar at 18, it was the first time that men were looking at me differently and treating me differently. I wasn't getting the negative attention, but it was a positive attention. And it really became addicting because for someone who really didn't have that for 18 years of their life, uh, I just quick, quickly became addicted to that life and it just descended within three years. Uh, by that point, I was already battling drugs and alcohol, depression. I had a sex addiction. I was a prostitute and I attempted suicide and it would still be 22 more years before God would finally get me out of that life. There's a growing effort in states around the nation right now to adopt legislation prohibiting counseling that attempts to bring gays and lesbians out of the homosexual lifestyle. Your thoughts on that? Should we have laws banning conversion therapy? Absolutely not. 
the way they tell it, they, they act as if every counselor out there is doing harm to an LGBT individual, and it's not the case. I've worked with both secular and Christian counselors, and everyone has been respectful of my journey, what I've been struggling with, even my faith. I have not had anyone harm me, and I've been through lots of therapy with lots of therapists. What they need to understand is there are LGBT individuals who do not want these feelings, and they want help getting that healing and wholeness that they want so they can have a family and children that is their desire. And they have every right to seek out whatever kind of counseling they need to get that healing and wholeness. The LGBT activists and even government, the government does not have the right to step in and mandate and dictate that we have to be saddled with these feelings. And I'm sure just like you, many gays, George, uh, you at one time uh, viewed Christians as intolerant enemies. So. How should churches and Christians respond then to gay members in their congregations? For me, I really hated Christians. I had such a, a, a negative view of them and I had really been hurt by them because a lot of them give the narrative that God created AIDS to kill the fags. God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah to get rid of the homosexuals. You hear all, hear all of the perverted stuff and then they'll say uh, all fags are going to hell. And this really stole any hope that I had in my own life of trying to to think or believe that God was really an ally. And it was really God slowly immersing me back into the church, but with Christians who truly had the heart of Christ that allowed me a safe place to go and just sit with them. And I wasn't harassed or bullied or mistreated, but it was sitting under the power of the conviction of the Holy Spirit, of pastors who had the guts to speak the truth of God's word. And I knew that by the Christians in my own life who were loving, and who invested time in me and poured love into me that really gave me a lot of food for thought and God started to expose the lies of the LGBT activists including the liberal theologians who pushed the gay is okay narrative and after I had to work through the lies and God deprogrammed me of those lies and gave me the healing that I needed gave me the strength to walk out of that life. The Episcopal Church just ordained its first lesbian bishop Bonnie Perry should people who are openly homosexual be in leadership positions in churches? Absolutely not. That goes for heterosexuals who are sleeping outside of marriage or they're living with someone and they're unmarried. No, there's a godly, there's a way that we are supposed to live our lives that God calls us to do in his word. And unless we are meeting those standards, not that anyone's perfect, but we should really be, really be doing our best to live a godly life because we are an influence on others and not only that we are representing God so no they should not be allowed and finally George how should Christians then respond to these LGBTQ influences that we're now seeing in movies films politics culture what's your advice my advice is is I know Hollywood is glamorizing it and they are getting giving a sanitized version of what homosexuality is but until you sit down and listen to the testimonies of every gay, lesbian, and transgender individual who has come out of that life, and you listen to the horror stories of what we've been through, and the reality of that life, which I share in my book. It's not X-rated, but I don't sugarcoat it. But the life is so different from what Hollywood and what the media portray. And so when a Christian affirms this, they think that they're doing the most loving thing, but you're not. You're not only hurting that individual, and you're pushing them into a life of where they're not going to find any peace, happiness, or contentment, but they are, you are pushing them into further rebellion against God. And I've seen the casualties of that life, and I'm warning Christians to stop affirming this. Tell them the truth in love, and just so you'll know, in the back of my book, I put all of the talking points that the LGBT activists and the Christian liberal 
theologians use, and I debunk that with scripture. So if you have individuals who in your life who are not willing to listen to this, give them the book or at least get it and familiarize yourself with those talking points. So when they do come at you and say, no, 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 it's okay, you can give them scripture because they are not going to sit down and study God's word to get the truth for themselves. Okay, the book is From Queer to Christ, A Journey into the Light. George Carneal, thank you for sharing your time and insights. You're welcome. Thank you for... Wow. Wow. You guys check that book out. Um, From Queer to Christ. From Queer to Christ. This guy gave some riveting testimony. And this is why, guys, you hear me say... All are accepted on my channel. Oh, because I I love everybody. I mean, uh, I, I love homosexuals. I, I love heterosexuals, sinners and saints. Everyone, everyone. I want you here. I love you. Christ loves you, and and I am not going to sugarcoat any sin. I have a very special friend, and she is um, a lesbian, and she's a good friend of mine, and she asked me, she said, do you think that all homosexuals will go to hell? And I told her, all sinners will go to hell, lest they repent and live for Christ. I said, all sinners, not just homosexuals, but all sinners, adulterers, blasphemers, liars, all sinners, all sinners, okay? So, guys, this, that that was very important, what he just said, and uh, it's, it's, you know, I, I hear people say uh, homophobia, a lot of homosexuals dislike Christians because they don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear the truth. They they want to live that life, and and it's not just homosexuals, but um, it's other sinners too. It, you know, it's other sinners too. So a, a lot of people who are knee deep in their sin, they don't want to hear the word of God. They don't want to hear, hey, it's wrong that you're sleeping with that woman's husband or 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 that man's wife. God says that this, this, and that, you know, that adulterers will not make it to the kingdom of heaven. And so they don't want to hear that because it, 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 it disrupts their corrupt sin. And they don't, they don't want it disrupted. They want to continue to enjoy it. People love their sin. People love their sin more than they love Christ. People, some people won't accept Christ because they love their sin. So, yeah, um, you know, guys, you just have to, uh, um, I don't know. It, 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 it gets a bit discouraging because as Christian people, as followers of Jesus Christ, you go up against people who hate you because you're speaking the word of God. But Christ said, you will be hated. And he said that I was hated. And, and those who follow me and love me will be hated as well. And that's the truth. It, it is. So, you guys, just um, 
just know.